You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season nine, episode five million forty-four. Oh, it's, actually, it's actually episode 61, but it's just that we've been going that long. Uh, it seems like, yeah, longer. Uh, John's got a good start in that. The other John, I'm good, John. No, I'm but I'm not. I'm F-bomb, John. I've been good recently in terms of no swearing. Um, and as, as Greg would testify last week, we don't, we don't uh, edit everything, so this will stay in. Uh, yeah, I'm F-bomb, John. Uh, and Puka, good, John. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. That's a brilliant start, John. Absolutely Our first episode of the season was 359 days ago on the 8th of July 2019. <laughs> and this is and this has been recorded on the 1st of July 2020. So it's yeah. dragged on longer than the end of the SPFL season, which is still well, that's actually still not even concluded because it's in court now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems like a while, but yeah, Chris, we've got uh, Chris Holland, the three of us are on. Trust the three of us, actually. We've no guests tonight. Because uh, this is the last podcast of the season, as, as you said. It's, uh, we're a week short of a full year for this season, so uh, it's time to break it to the end. Cut, just draw a line, take a few weeks off, start again, because it should start August. All things being well. Um, as you say, the court case is ongoing. We were hoping that was going to finish today. It's dragging into a second day, so uh, yeah, we should see what comes. To on. be fair, let's, let's just clarify fair, that this is SPFL um, that's in um, court, not SFF. <laughs> Aye. To be to be fair to them, they were running out with hipsters on Monday, which would have tied in for us normally to do a podcast. So they have. They obviously know you're making an announcement on a Monday for us. And we've actually been quite lucky this season that quite a lot of our announcements have been made on Mondays in terms of big things. At the moment, I can't remember them because I've struggled to even remember what happened in the season. Uh, but, yeah, we have had a few announcements anyway on a Monday. Or whatever day we've chosen to record. Cause we've, I think we've recorded podcasts almost every day of the week this, this season. Good enough, I mean, considering the, the season had to be uh, curtailed, in the middle of March, I think we said the 13th of March. So that's now several months ago, and we've, we've probably done more podcasts since it finished <laughs> than we did before. Be just because be be some of these weeks have been a couple, have been a couple of podcasts a week just to fit in all the interviews that we've had. Yes. I think it's some like 25 that we filled in since the season curtailed. This is sixty one, so that's not a bad sound. That's that's near enough half. Mm-hmm. And considering well, obviously the, first, the first half came in July, the middle of March. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'd had a couple of guests before then, but you know, um, you know, before the shutdown, because we've we had Ronan on in January. We had um, we we'd Paul Dykes, we had uh, Phil McGuire um, on just before because we were also trying to preview the charity game, which get called off. Um, so we've and we had for there on a couple of times. Um, we've done all right for we were doing okay for guests, but since the since the um, lockdown, we've had more and it's been fantastic. It's 
probably kicked us in even further. Why, definitely. Uh, but yeah, we're going to do a season review in terms of what we can try and remember. Um, I don't know whether we want to know, talk about what's been going on maybe the last week or so, because we've actually not spoke about the whole Dundee United Hearts, the return of Robbie Nielsen to Hearts, which is surprising, but maybe not surprising at the same time, because obviously the Hearts connections, but potentially just now Dundee United jobs are a better job to have, I think. I would have thought so, given that Hearts are, well, as things stand, Hearts are a championship team, uh, which they were when Robbie Nielsen was there the first time, and he was the one that took them straight back up again. So they have brought in a man who knows what the job is, um, assuming everything stays as it is. Uh, but as you say, he's just finished doing that job for the United to take them out of the, the championship into the Premiership. Could he be looking at trying to continue that in the Premiership and see if he can get the United up into a decent position? But he's chosen to go back to Hearts. It's a bit odd because my recollection of his time at Hearts was they weren't too happy with the football that was being played under him. It was grumblings of the, the, the Hearts fans. Um, and Budge was obviously mumping and moaning about finishing fourth. <laughs> How that's come back to haunt her recently. Hearts have underperformed since supposedly they were going to win the Champions League, remember? Uh, back in the days of going off. So they have been terrifically underperforming. The, the other thing as well, uh, you touched on that about they weren't happy with the football before. I think Laurie, obviously an old uh, podcast member, he mentioned himself he was happy that Nielsen went at the time, felt that they needed a change. However, he's glad that Robbie Nielsen's back. So. Not quite as glad as he is uh, their former goalkeeper who's returned as well. Yeah. He was buzzing the fact that Craig Gordon has signed a, a deal there. Um, obviously, Craig Gordon spent the last few years at Celtic. We kind of gave him his career back after all his injuries. Got him uh, fit again, gave him that chance. He's got medals galore out of it. Uh, I think it was probably the right decision for everybody. It's, yeah. My understanding is that Craig Gordon was wanting first team football uh, and a wage to match it. Celtic wanted him to be second, possibly third choice keeper, uh, and a wage to match that, which was never going to marry up. So. Um, I think it's probably best that the two went their separate ways. And, and Craig Gordon's obviously a, a, a decent keeper in his first spell of hearts, and they'll be hoping he's the same again. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, it's a, it's a big thank you for everything that he did. He will always be part of that amazing gift at the end of the, the Scottish Cup final in 2017. That's fair. I didn't mention it somewhere. Cut. Cut. Finished. <laughs> that is a season review finished. <laughs> No, whatever, he's whatever. Part of an eventual season, so um, yeah. he will always be remembered fondly as well. He's rotten at penalties, though. But <laughs> he, to be fair, he did save a penalty for Celtic in Europe, so it's not as if I don't think I've seen him ever save a penalty other than that one. So I mean, even even that was a bit of an achievement for him. Um, but yeah, he's, he's he, he was a good goalkeeper for us, and um, um, I wish him all the best. But at least I would have. Uh, I know, Mark. Yeah, the matter that I consider as well is he'd no played for two years before he joined you. Yeah. Um, it didn't take him that long to get back up to speed. Because his first spell at Hearts, yeah. he when he had a joint down south, he was a terrific keeper. Still is a really good keeper, but he was he was outstanding um, back then. You'll be good save for Hearts, whatever league they're in as well. I would say so. Yeah. If they're going to give him the first team football, I think he's going to get what he wanted. So 
Uh, and he, he's, he's still good for that. I mean, we probably needed something a bit better um, for the likes of Europe and our um, ongoing attempt to hang on to every single trophy in Scotland. Um, and we got that last season with Fraser Forster. Um, obviously, I don't want to dip into the, the, the season highlights and stuff just yet, because we're still talking about now, because the, the latest news is that Fraser Forster is returning to Southampton after his loan spell and won't be coming back to Celtic, because he's had a chat with Southampton, it seems he's got a good crack in first-team football there. Um, it's hard to argue that one then, because you're talking about an Englishman getting a crack at first-team football in the English top flight. That's uh, every Englishman's dream, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, what was it talking about on tonight that he was offered a, a loan with a view to signing in 2021 and then he's knocked it back because I uh, had to talk to his adversary or something? Yeah, because yeah, they're talking about giving him kind of what he wants anyway. So, uh, it's, it's disappointing. Um, I don't know what Celtic are going to go and do now as far as goalkeepers are concerned because obviously if we don't get Foster back and Gordon's away, we, don't, we now only have Scott Bain. Scott Bain's a good keeper. Um, I don't think he's in the kind of class that Fraser Foster was in. I think we definitely need to bring one in, probably his first choice and not his second choice to Bain. Yeah, I, mu- I must say, um, yeah. Forster is head and shoulders above the, the one that they've been linked with, Joe Hart. Oh, no, that is awful. That is awful. <laughs> you, you, you put your fingers up there to interrupt the podcast for that. Yes. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Talking ahead, head and shoulders. I think the barbers are open the fifteenth of July. Two weeks today. <laughs> Good, I can stop cutting one here. I, I don't need it. Uh, like my, it's funny actually on a, a tangent here. But my son, he's desperate for a haircut. He's he's actually got hair still and all that. And he was like, I was tempted. I said earlier, I don't worry, I'll do a fade for you. I said I've got a back to front fade. Mine's just a one in the back and sides, a zero on top. See what I've but not yeah. what, what I've not got about lockdown is it just uh, whilst we're off on this tangent, um, you know, get I could get people maybe growing their hair a bit longer because um they, they can't obviously get their hair cut unless they've got people that can do it for them. But people growing their beards um because because of lockdown, I don't get it. You still it's not as if barber, you know, people are shut to um shave your face. That's just laziness. I did it. <laughs> I don't shave. I don't tend to shave much anyway. But uh, I went what was it about three months I think, and then I got fed up with that. I've gone back to like a week in a shot. Aye. Aye. I. 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 better though after it for some reason. After growing it for so long, it now seems like it. It's actually not growing as if it's. That's it. But aye. I thought that was it's funny because I, I did it last year. I kind of grew quite a, a lengthy beard for a while. Um, and it was nice to try it, but it, I, it was nice to try it to decide that, that isn't for me. So I can, after I cut it back, it's actually been... It used to be really itchy. I don't think it's as itchy as it used to be now. So it's, it's, it's been good for a longer term. But I, I prefer it at the length it's in now. I can't put you up here, John. Nah, you never will. It just... <laughs> no? Nah, it's not for me. I like the clean shaving. Have you ever had a, any kind of beard? No. no? I'm too set in my ways, aren't we? To be honest, I must say though, I hate shaving, so maybe I should probably grow and see what it does, but nah, I don't I think, think it's actually. You're on, you're on paternity leave now, so let it go. Any excuse? <laughs> to be honest, the not shaving thing is about 60% of the reason I do it because I get really bad shaving rashes, no matter what I use. So the more I can not shave, the better. 
I think people. I think my situation would be if I was to go clean shaven now, I reckon my mates wouldn't recognise me. My wife wouldn't recognise me because I don't think she's ever seen me clean shaven. To be fair, um, I think the closest I got is actually the year we get married, and I did November. Um, so maybe like the first day or so I was clean shaven, but even then I don't think I went right down to the to being completely clean, clean, kind of clean shaven. It was where I, I liked to be there, kind of thing. So, I think that was the last time I was clean shaven was November. I did it in 2012. Um, I have the same year. Ever since then, I've had at least a stubble. Yeah. Aye. <laughs> nah, yeah. What would you think it was weird if I had any or some kind of facial hair? Aye. But, uh, but in all seriousness, Joe Hart. Actually, aye, I would. I think, for all, I mean, when Joe Hart was England number one and we had Fraser Foster the first time, I was still insisted that Fraser Foster was a better keeper. I, I would stand by that, but if we're not going to get Fraser Foster and Joe Hart's available, he's, he's not a bad keeper. And I think him working with the likes of Stevie Woods, who's worked with several terrific goalkeepers at Celtic now, I think could be a good partnership. I think it would help us. I think it would help him. If that's a doable deal, I think we should try it. What about David Marshall coming back? Because I see Wiggins went out of the administration. Yeah, Wiggins went out of the administration. My concern with David Marshall is... A lot of people have forgotten how bad he became before just before he left. There's a reason he stopped playing very quickly under Strachan, and it was the fact that he shipped nine goals in two games. Um, personally, I think Stan Darger was more to blame for those nine goals, but David Marshall was the man that's picking the bottom of that each time. Um, he will always be remembered for the, the terrific performance in the new camp. But I think he loves off that one performance a little too much. And we've seen, he tends to concede goals when he plays for Scotland as well. Doesn't matter who we play against, which is interesting. It always worries me when I think other goalkeepers wouldn't. So, again, whether Stevie Woods could work magic with him, I don't know. Um, certainly, I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the options given Wiggins' predicament. Um, but I think given the choice between bringing back David Marshall and going for Joe Hart, I would go for Joe Hart if that's possible. See the other side of Glasgow Rangers are playing John McLaughlin, old Hearts keeper. Well, they brought Obviously him in as a number, number two. Yeah, they yeah. also brought Obviously him in as a number, number two. Yeah, um, he's. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of him. He was okay at Hearts first time, but he made a few silly mistakes as well, and he never, he never looked confident. And even when we went to Sunderland, um, I mean, we've all obviously most of us are sort of the Netflix stuff, but. He just doesn't look an assured enough goalkeeper, but as, it's, as we say, he's a number two. He's he's going there as backup to Al McGregor, and that, that's all there is to it. So. Yeah, he's, he's far up to the place. So, as backup, he's probably a good choice. Okay. And then there's been a keeper move. Old podcast favourite, Scott Fox, going to Motherwell. Because mm-hmm. they've lost both their keepers, I think. I think Gillespie and Carson were both out of contract. Gillespie's definitely left. I don't know about Carson, because mind he get injured. I think he signed a year's deal. Did he sign a deal? Yeah. So you would think again Scott Fox is probably going there as number two, because Carson's a good keeper. Has Gillespie signed for anyone yet? Because he was doing really well and mm-hmm, very good goalkeeper. Right. I thought he was Mark, in the fringes of Scotland. Mark Gillespie, but... Yeah. Um, I think he's English. 
Was it? Aye. Gillespie, yeah. Does he get a Scottish oh. guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he signed for Newcastle. Really? Is he going there as a number three then? He was at Newcastle as a youth, it turns out. But yeah, he's going to. Aye, well, he must be about a number three. If, uh, oh, well. Mind to you, be there's a number three yeah, yeah, and getting probably getting wages. More money there. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's been any other keeper moves I can think of. Just for the keepers I know at Aberdeen, uh, we're still waiting for Thomas Cherney to hopefully sign a, a new maybe one year deal. Again, he'll be a number two. Danny Rogers finally has left, which will be good for his career. I think get somewhere he can get a bit of stability because he was out on loan for about maybe what, three or four seasons, I think. Um, so maybe. I don't know, maybe a Falkirk. David McCracken might old podcast guest from a few weeks ago. Maybe he could go back there, because he did well at Falkirk. Rogers. He did well in his first spell there, the year that they were in the playoff final. Um, but I think other moves that have... He's had, like, he didn't really get in the Simran team at all. Um, and this was before they got Fadkian, and even when Craig Sansom left. So I think he was... He, He was always a goalkeeper for Aberdeen that was never going to be. So, good luck to him. Yeah. In terms of other moves, what we've seen, Johnny Hayes has obviously returned to Aberdeen. Which, the shared wages, was he? He's, aye. Just, yeah. Maybe shows the money that he must have made at Celtic, but fair play to him for doing that. Because otherwise, we would not be in a position to sign him. Interesting to see whether he's in as a left back or whether he'll play wide again, like what he used to. Disappointed if he's away, actually. He's a good backup. However, he's a bit as well, actually. He's featured a wee bit since the turn of the year, hasn't he? He's been involved mm-hmm. quite a bit. Lennon liked him. Uh, the fact that Lennon liked him is why I'm surprised he went. I thought we'd be careful. Thanks from his point of view, it's probably more about first team opportunities because um, he's 33 now, um, and you know he's he's earned his money. He's earned his money. Hence why he's the fair on just for a year for Aberdeen to help them out, which is um, a good sign that he's desperate to come back. Um, I think John, you and I spoke off air um, a couple of weeks ago when this rumor was happening. Um, I made the suggestion because we've got still got some uh, wingers in the books. He could end up being a left back because obviously Greg Lee's um, loan deal finished. We never took up the option. So definitely. Remember we, we spoke about that spell that he played left back for us for a while when he was really really good. Um, yeah. And Matt Kennedy likes to cut inside a lot. So if you get Matt Kennedy cutting inside, Johnny Hayes on the overlap. That's a pretty potent yeah. left side. Mm-hmm. You would say. I think aside from that so far at Aberdeen, the talk is that there'll be no other um, players coming in unless McKenna gets sold. There is still, supposedly, a few English clubs in the Championship interested. So, Aye. maybe watch this space. Well, we're not getting any money. Pat. Well, we're not getting any money from uh, Ryan Fraser. Um, selling because he likes contract wing down. Yeah, piss you off a wee bit. I mean, that, that, that's yeah. not just screwing over the current club you're at. It's also screwing over the previous club. Yeah, um, I've 
always had an opinion about Ryan Fraser from the first time. He left after 12 games. He decided he was too good for us. Um, I didn't like the way he left the first time. Um, left, well, I say first time, but when he left Aberdeen. Um, and to be fair, he, he did well at Bournemouth. And last year when he had that great season with the highest assistant league along with Hazard, you thought, well, they were talking like 25, 30 million. Some were even saying further than that, but um, nothing ever came of it. His form deteriorated. Bournemouth have deteriorated from last season, and now he's not sending a new deal. It's like, have you just been winding yourself down to leave? I think there was talk though at the end of the, the last the good season that he had, the likes of Liverpool and stuff like that were in from a run to pay yeah. money. But I think part of it as well, Bournemouth supposedly said they were quite happy to let him run down his contract, but he's certainly not been the same player this season. Um, no. and it, yeah, I think he said that. Yeah. Um, but other places, but Rangers have signed to Shirley Bassey. Shirley Bassey. <laughs> Calvin Bassey. That's his name. From Leicester. And then they've made the deal for Haji permanent. I think it, yeah, it's a good I did see it early on. Um, but Haji, look, Haji does look a player. I don't think we've seen enough of him, but yeah, uh, the little we have seen of him is certainly. He's had a good couple of games for Rangers, but I think there was again. I don't want to go too much into the, re- the recap of last season yet, but um, he did come in just prior to Rangers dip after the winter break, um, and he was featuring in the games that they were um, struggling to pick up decent results in, as well as everybody else. So, um, but yeah, the, the the games where he shone, he really did stick it like a sore thumb. I see Stephen Whitaker signed for Dunfermline in a year's contract. Players go. Oh, I saw that one. Oh, could be a decent move. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's been much other transfer news happened so far. But in case, I think a lot of clubs will be caught in a court and you'll see a lot more reliance on youth that season. I think Aberdeen have said that obviously already they're going to have a, a pretty large portion of the squad for the youngsters. You would think you'll see that across the board. So, shall we move on to the review and what we can remember? <laughs> we may as well talk about it because it's been in concept that maybe this talking about new signings recently. So, best signings from the season just gone by. Well, we cover the old ground. Fraser Foster, I think. Getting him alone again um, proved to be massively decisive in so many arenas um, obviously his performance in the League Cup final was probably his best individual performance of the season but he had two terrific performances against Lazio in Europe as well which got us the, the not only let us top that group for the first time it meant we had our first ever win in that one so yeah. uh, a, lot of, a lot of my highlights from the season just gone um Fraser Foster's a big feature of us, so um, for me, getting him back was was an absolute crucial part of the, the season for us. And just in I think yeah, I think some of these categories will overlap because you're talking about that being like him included in the, a few of the highlights. Obviously, the Lazio game, the game over there in particular, superb. And then I believe Cup final basically will be remembered as the Fraser Foster final. I think. Yeah. I, I, I would say the other big 
um, big signing from Celtic at that point was um, Chris for Julian. Um, and it just, yeah. having Forster really solidified that defence. It's just a pity from Celtic's point of view that Julian wasn't fully fit for the close game and that Forster wasn't brought in until the Europa League qualifiers. You know, if they'd been in for that close Champions League qualifier, I think Celtic could have been in the the Champions League group stages rather than the Europa League. Don't get me wrong, they did well in the Europa League, but that's ultimately where Celtic wanted to be in the first place was the Champions League. Yeah, and 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 Europe is also one of my biggest disappointments for me from last season because. That performance against Cluj, as you say, Julian will be fat and not having fostered yet. Maybe that could have stopped it. Maybe it wouldn't have. I don't know. I never will. Um, but to then go on to have such a great performance in the Europa League group stages where we topped the group for the first time, one home and away against Lazio. Okay, the last game meant we, we didn't go undefeated through the, the entire group stage, but then we were done already topped the group officially by that point. So. Um, wasn't a close, wasn't a big issue there. But to then come back in the, the February kind of time and have such a disappointment against Copenhagen, a team that we were more than capable of beating, um, it was such a bizarre tie because in the first, the first half of the first leg, we were the better team by a mile. And we kind of let that slip, came back for Copenhagen with one each. And then we lost the home game three one. Um, okay, but I mean the, the the goals that we lost towards the end were a bit kind of because we were chasing the game at that point. But it was just to have such so many highs for the group stage to go out at such a whimper it's, I mean, against a team like Copenhagen. I mean, it's not as if it was even like in previous seasons we've gone out at that stage to the likes of Inter Milan. Like you, you, you can kind of accept that and one of a big name, a big team. Copenhagen were easily beatable for a, yeah. a team of our standard, and we just didn't do it. Uh, but you mentioned, I mean, you, you mentioned Julian there being uh, one of our, our big signings, and um, I thought it was interesting that we brought him in for seven million pounds. Well, across the city, they brought in Ryan Kent for seven million pounds, and he was the man that was he'd obviously been on loan at Rangers the previous season, and uh, was was sort of highly in, in midfield, and yet Julian, a defender, managed to outscore him this season. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know which one I think was a better buy for £7 million. Here's one for you in terms of, I was asking a few folk about what they thought in terms of best signings in different categories I'll come on to. So my, my mate, a Rangers fan, he was saying, best signing Kent, worst signing Kent. Because when they signed him, they thought, terrific, we've got him permanently, this is brilliant. But then he's just no performed enough. There is, there is talent there, but for whatever reason, he just doesn't do it enough. I don't know where they should this season. Mm-hmm. It just they never quite hit the same heights as it, this season as they did the previous one. No. Um, I mean, he showed against Braga um, in the game that got him in the last 16 that he can do it, but he's done it very fleetingly, and that's the problem. Um, and, you know, when defenders are outscoring, that seems to be a bit of a, an issue. Um, probably the best thing is out with Celtic um, was Christian Deutsch. He was a man that we slaughtered at the start because he didn't excel. He didn't. He didn't excel. He didn't excel under the man who brought him in, and it was the man who brought him in getting sacked, taking bottom. He then started scoring, and to be fair, he did a brilliant job. We rightly slaughtered him at the time, yeah. and because uh, yeah. yeah, to the point, I thought it was an absolute daddy. He's since proved me wrong, so I would like to know what on earth was going on under Heckenbottom because he was playing like a daddy under him. He clearly isn't. 
other player that I mentioned, um, Grant from Campbell's Football Podcast, he mentioned Marvin Bartley, which is a good shout, going to uh, Livy. He's been terrific for him. Um, and then he mentioned he mentioned a manager as well. So obviously there was a whole saga about Hearts and Hibbs bringing in new managers. I remember Hearts claiming that Stendhal and Barnsley finished better than what Ross did with Sunderland and all that type of thing. So he's mentioned Jack Ross has been the best signing, I know, contender for best signing, which is an interesting point. Because yeah. Jack Ross has done a good job yeah. there so far. Um, Declan Gallagher at Murrayville, broken at the Scotland squad. Yeah. Got him in a free. Maybe another shame. one that's good. Good, it's been a good move say. for both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they signed Ricky Lemmy as well from Livingston. So, another defender. So, yeah. I, I think one signing that we... Sorry, I was, just, I was going to say the... I think one signing that probably didn't get enough time to prove himself was Hearts picking up Liam Boyce. He obviously got the goal against Rangers, which... Um, well, <laughs> it proved a bit more crucial at the top of the league than at the bottom of the league. Um, but I think had the season been able to finish properly, then if Hearts were going to stand any chance of getting off the bottom, it was going to be somebody like Boyce who was going to drag them off it. Mm-hmm. But let's say we never, we never had enough of the season left to, uh, to actually showcase whether he was capable of doing that or not. Yeah, I don't know if he get injured again not long after that um, but you didn't hear much of him um, after that Rangers game um, but then it's interesting the, the Stendhal point, I mean just going back to Hearts um, reappointing Robbie Nielsen they actually reappointed Robbie Nielsen before they um, didn't renew Stendhal's contract or didn't discuss it with Stendhal <laughs> which is a bit bizarre but then yeah, this it, is the way Hearts are conducting their business these days It's funny that Hearts are using a, a relegation clause to get rid of Stendhal and while fighting that relegation in court. Mm-hmm. See if they won that court case, because Stendhal would have climbed down for this muscle. Yeah. You should definitely claim £8 million pounds for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, aye, Declan Gallagher. I forgot about um, the fact that he was a signing um, from a lot of the start of the season and a very solid one. And in the two Scotland games that he played in, I mean, yeah, you can argue it was Cyprus and Kazakhstan, um, but he still did a pretty decent job. Yeah. Well, but from an Aberdeen point of view, I think we had high hopes for Craig Bryson, but it's not worked out so far in terms of injuries, stop, start. Part of that, I think, is a lot of time he was rushed back because we had such a an indifferent season. Um, Oyo, potentially. But he had some injuries as well. But I think Oyo looks potentially like he will be a good signing long term. Um, and then Matt Kennedy as well, but glimpses that were going to be a good signing. Before lockdown, uh, Kennedy was starting to find his feet, I think, um, at Aberdeen, um, especially when they took up games against Kilmarnock and St Burnley. He was looking particularly good, but for Aberdeen, it's been a frustrating season. I mean, yeah, it finished when we were one point behind, but we still had a chance to third. Yeah, we had the Scottish Cup semi-final, but 
for a lot of the season, the football was absolutely horrible to watch. We were horrific to watch at times, and we were getting by, and it's a transformation from a few years ago when we were playing pretty good football, like when Hayes was there first time, and um, Ken McLean was there, and Matt McGinn was at his peak. Um, it's almost been acceptance that because that, that quality player moved on, we should, um, we're not going to be able to create that. It's like, It was just awful to watch. Um, but we were still in the hunt. For, I mean, I know we've been given a Europa League spot um, because we were forced in the league, but it's just... It was just so, so slow start. I mean, when we put, when we beat that um, team for Georgia five um, 0 we played really good football. One, I had high, I had high hopes that that was going to be the way it sorted out. Nine Hedges looked particularly good, but it never kicked on. It was just lots of long balls, and it was tedious. But then we were starting to show a wee bit of form before shutdown, believe it or not. Yeah, it probably in in terms of the the topic of the football being a bis, abysmal, like poor. Probably brings us on to our next category, whereby we've got some abysmal football followed by some absolutely unbelievable moments and probably will be my best game of the season. The Kilmarnock Aberdeen game in the Scottish Cup, which you and me were there, and it was the most bizarre thing ever because in the original 90 minutes, it was probably up there with the most abysmal games I've seen. And quite often, to be fair, the most abysmal games I do see are Kilmarnock Aberdeen because that's quite often not particularly attractive games. But yeah, the first 90 minutes was woeful. Um, the amount of t- we thought we were out the cup, what, twice? Mm-hmm. 90 minutes we thought we were out, and then Constantine popped up. And then obviously, we'll go ahead early in extra time. And then we end up managing to then go behind. We think we're out the cup. Then we think it's going to penalties. And then miraculous moment. Uh, whereby we get the winner and absolutely crazy scenes. The most bizarre game of football and yeah, unbelievable. That's my season. That's my um that's my season highlight, um, from an Aberdeen point of view was that game. Um and as you as you pointed out <laughs> it's, it's bizarre because for a long spit if you watched the first eighty minutes of that match, you wouldn't say that was um, you know, a classic Scottish Cup tie. Um it was a tragic Scottish Cup tie, to be honest, in those 80 minutes rather than a classic. But then what happened after that was just unbelievable. And I was, I went out of that game more stunned than anything. It's just what I'd witnessed. It was just incredible um, what what went on because you would never predicted a seven goal game in that. And the way we turned it around, I mean, it was, it's ironic that Kilmarnock at 3 2 decided to take up. S. Johnson try try and shore things up. He can seize the penalty and then scores the own goal. What an impact! And, and thank you. Um, but no, it was a unbelievable night. <laughs> yeah, I think pro- to be honest, I think we should just move to rugby park. Like instead of us talking about moving to, <laughs> some, like, <laughs> I think we should just play our games at rugby park. It would be ideal, especially for me. It's just something own for me really. But uh, just a terrific record we've got there. But that night, I did think the record was over. Um, <laughs> But yeah, unbelievable scenes. We were pretty good in the, the game against St Mirren as well. We were all right. We kind of tended to maybe reserve our best moments for the Scottish Cup this season. See, this is, this is the thing. Um, was that Before lockdown happened, this is when my, 
my five-year-old son was starting to watch little bits of football with me. So he watched Hamilton Aberdeen uh, first half, and he watched the first half of this uh, St Martin Aberdeen game. So it's just a shame it all stopped um, after that. Um, as I mean, we really get into it, but hopefully, uh, I, I feel your it. pain with that one um, <laughs> because we mentioned the, the best game. Um, I I would be a remiss in my parenting duties if I didn't mention probably my best game personally is the last game that Celtic played, the 5-0 win over St Mirren, because it was the first game I ever took my son to. Um, little did we know it was going to be a title clincher. Um, but, I mean, like, you compare it to the, the quality of the game I had as my first game, which was a die or nothing each draw in the middle of December at night um, against Tibbs. But he's got, like, Five goals, a Lee Griffiths hat trick. Um, it was a terrific performance. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was a vintage game, um, as as far as uh, like, <laughs> the games you're going to remember. But obviously, I'll remember it for different reasons. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a shame that I finally got my long a game, and there has been no football since. Um, to the point that I hope he still takes an interest in football once things start up again. Um, but I'm, I mean, as far as uh, the, the league goes Celtic seemed to have there were certain games where I don't remember us having a full 90 minutes I was just looking at that and thinking we were terrific that day we tended to have like 45 minutes against somebody like the the 45 minutes we had against Ross County or uh, I, I mean the closest we got to maybe the, the, the full 90 was the very first league game that we played the 7-0 against St Johnson um, but there was another one that was at the Hearts 5-0 I think we were 1-0 up at half time and then blew them away in the second half um, and <laughs> apologies but one of the best performances I did have was up at Pataudry, um where we just blew you away in the first half edit number 2 <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry don't worry because we'll get, we'll get edit number 3 that I actually have the choice to mention as a not but again my, Ranger, my, my mate's a Rangers fan I was like aye best game and he's obviously mentioned the body game at Ibrox which we could probably see coming because at that point we were not playing particularly well. We'd just been knocked out the bloody league cup by a shite hearts um, and we were just not doing well and then they just came as an absolute booing. Um, it was horrible. So, yeah, I've mentioned it. I need to because I, I asked for feedback in terms of folk mentioning games. Another one that someone mentioned was the St Mirren Motherwell game that finished 4 all. Mm, the night before our game, yeah. I guess we were doing a podcast that night. We were hoping to um, bring oh, yeah. the final score and I had to end it before. I think we ended it like, um, when it went extra time. Because <laughs> it was 4 1 in that game at one point. I mean, you, you, you talk about your comeback uh, the following night. That was even more remarkable comeback. It went on the right. penalties. But um, yeah, it was almost as Murren came out on top and then you just beat St. Murren in the, the quarter final. And then, unfortunately, our semi-final remains unplayed. Um, it is the only outstanding part of the the, the 1920 season um, domestically, anyway. Um, I suppose we'd be remiss in uh, illustrating how uh, Rangers have performed in Europe this season as well. Uh, they had some, some yes. terrific rocks. Um, not the last one uh, against Leverkusen in the last 16, um, but certainly the, the group stage himself got into that position. They came through the four qualifying rounds for the second season running. Um yeah, the, the, the coefficient is looking a lot healthier than it did previously, thanks mainly to Celtic and Rangers in yeah. the last couple of seasons. And then against Braga, you thought they were dead and buried after that first half at Ibrox, where Braga were ripping them apart, and yet 
Rangers managed to get back into the game and then it ended up going through. That was actually Grant mentioned. Grant, who's an Aberdeen fan, mentioned the fact that Rangers need to be mentioned in terms yeah. of the Balaga performance. Celtic at Lazio, I think. First time Celtic have won in Italy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I was yeah. back a game that was... The goal's pretty good as well. Yeah. Stood. Then it would be that. That would be that game. I mean, certainly beating Lazio at Celtic Park was a big thing with the late Julian winner. But to then go to Italy, knowing that we just beat them at Celtic Park, so they'd be annoyed. Um, and we then did the typical Celtic thing of not starting at all well away from home. Because he did an early goal, and I thought, oh no, we're having another one of these games. But actually, we came back in it really well, got the equaliser through Forest. Um, and there was spells in the second half we were maybe loving our luck a bit with the defending and the, the, the goalkeeping, but it was other points that second half we looked like we might steal it. In fact, there was a there was a moment about ten minutes before the end where Edward went through on goal and put it wide, and I thought, oh no, that's the chance gone. Um, but sure enough, Edward was the supplier, and they end up give it to Encham, and um, he did the, the need for an injury time to get the the winner, and it was just. I think that's that that, that has turned the, the the phrase scenes into whims for football <laughs> because it was just bedlam yeah. after that. Um, he was obviously head over heels in the, the stadium Olympico. As a that probably brings Brenda's nicely nicely onto our next category because I think everyone who I've asked has given the same answer that undoubtedly played a year Edward. He just makes it look effortless. Even Rangers fans um, that I've spoken to, they were um, the same. They were like, I, Edward, he just makes it look easy. Potentially, I think a better player than Dembele, and Dembele's a really, really good player, but I think Edward's got credit to get right to the top. Dembele's the best player I've seen since Larson. Um, Edward, I don't know if he is as good as Dembele. He is certainly a terrific talent. He's buying goals for fun for the fans on the 21 team. Uh, and then obviously for us, he's, he's, he was top scorer this season. Um, he's scoring some crucial goals. Fun enough, I think one of the most crucial things that happened this season, as far as Edward's concerned, was the League Cup final. He wasn't fit. He definitely wasn't fit. We, we had him on the bench in the hope that we wouldn't need to use him. Put in a pretty poor performance. Um the point we had Lewis Morgan start that game up front. That should tell you how struggling we were for strikers at the point in time. But we took him off and we put Edward on. And Edward was not, let's say, he was not fit whatsoever. But in the 10 to 15 minutes that he was able to give before he was born at his arse, he got us up the park a bit more. One is the free kick that we then scored from. Um, and the... the the difference that made just for that short period of time was enough to win us the game. Obviously, Fraser Foster was the, the man of the match that day. But Edwards' influence in that game, as brief as it was, was a key difference to what uh, Celtic won in that trophy. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's no there's no question that at some point he will leave Celtic, whether it'll be now um, or in, in a year's time we don't know but he will he will get his move just like Dembele did um, another player that um, I singled out as one of the best players also comes from Celtic um, was Ryan Christie I just think he's kicked on again um, no I just I just love watching him play I think he's a terrific player um, and with Scotland um, a couple of games that he, he played out wide 
he just makes things look effortless and he's delivering in big games. You mentioned Lazio, the, the home game, he pops up with a, a key goal at a crucial time. And um, Was it his corner that led to the winner? Was it him that took the corner that led to the winning goal? I think so. Yeah. I think that's what I'm thinking because I, I don't I, think McGregor's McGregor, in them. well McGregor was another one I was going to mention because McGregor yeah. seemed to come on McGregor was one of the key players after a winter break more than anything uh-huh. else because I mean I always thought McGregor probably it was it was the likes of uh, Dylan that kind of brought McGregor into the fourth properly but he flourished under Rodgers um, and what previously when Lennon was first there McGregor was kind of out of the scene he seemed to have faded away because Lennon was kind of pushing him about the team and trying to put everybody into the middle and McGregor was going out wide and stuff. Like that. It wasn't just wasn't he really the greatest way to do anything. But since the winter break, McGregor seems to have come back onto form again and had to go and run and scored some crucial goals. He, I mean, one of my favourite goals this season was the, the strike he had at Fur Park in uh, the, the 4-0 one, just kind of towards the end of the, the curtailed season there. Um, I mean, that was 15 minutes to go in that game or something like that. just the, the build up to that goal is really nice but the strike itself is unstoppable um, so I mean I think McGregor on his game is an absolutely crucial player for Celtic but I, I agree with you I think Christy um, maybe not maybe less so in the second half of the season but in the first half of the season Christy was another vital player I mean he, he opened up with the, that 7-0 game against the Jones with a hat-trick all of them were pretty much outside the box um, and that's as you say he's just kicked on um, from from the player that to be honest I didn't think he had a Celtic future this time two years ago um, and he's since taken the, the chance with both hands it all started at Murrayfield in that semi-final against Hearts Other players that maybe worthy of a mention in terms of outside maybe the, the kind of top couple of clubs Lyndon Dykes really good season the latest as well from Steve Clark is that there's still maybe a chance that he's going to get he's going to play for Scotland, but we'll see what happens there. But uh, Morelos obviously was really good up until December, and then just did <sighs> nothing after New Year. See, see whatever happened at Celtic Park, and there was all the the mump in the morning about the the the, the thumb across the throat gesture, um, which. I'll back him 100% for that. That was his way of saying that game's over. Um, yeah. I don't doubt he'd be saying anything else. Um, but the stupidity of getting sent off in that game in the first place seemed to almost undo all the work, or the good work that Morelos had done to ingratiate himself and everybody um, prior to that. Because he'd went into the start of this season having picked up one of his stupid red cards the previous season and everyone was saying, yeah, you're a great striker if you're on the park, but if you're suspended, you're not used to anybody. He did knuckle down. He was behaving himself better. He was getting the goals as well. He, he was keeping it on the right side of um, the, the, the madness until that red card at Celtic Park. And then whatever happened after that, the Rangers went off the winter break. He came back and his goal touch had disappeared. And I think everyone was was kind of still thinking along the lines of, well, maybe that's the, temp- the temperamentality's back and um, can can he just put that behind him and, and knuckle down again? And I don't know if the pressure got to him or what, but it just he was never quite the same after the winter break. Now you could argue that he's not the only Rangers player that wasn't quite the same after the winter break as well, because collectively Rangers collapsed. 
Celtic were on a really good run after a winter break after that defeat, but Celtic were on a good run prior to that defeat to Celt- uh, Rangers as well. So I'd, it wasn't just that Celtic were picking up all those wins. Rangers were dropping points left, right, centre. I mean, I, I look back at Celtic's last home game as a 5 0 win. Rangers fans are looking back at their last home game a little before that as a 1 0 defeat to Hamilton. Yeah. That's, that's, it was, that's what turned the Rangers can go top of the winner game in hand into this massive gap that was at the top. Was it 13 points for the end of the. Right, 13 with a game in hand. 13 with a game in hand, yeah. So that's, it was a combination of Celtic's consistency and Rangers just falling away. So as I say, it wasn't just Morelos falling away. It was a problem there. There was something, something didn't click after that winter break. And whether something happened in Dubai or what, I don't know. But they were never the same after that one at Celtic Park. When you saw, because I I put my hands up, I I was saying after that that they looked like they had a better run of fixtures after the winter break. I thought there was a good chance they were favourites to be winning the league at that point in time. Yeah, but they never proved that. Exactly. Well. I think the fact that James Tavenier, their captain, said that um, you know there was a mentality problem. Um, you know, it was a bit worrying. I mean, what's more worrying is that the editors of the Rangers program allowed that to go in. Um, so yeah. obviously, that's, but that's a that's a separate issue. Um, I think from a I Rangers mean, point of view, their best player was probably Ryan Jack. If you're looking at consistency over the season, I, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, when you when you'd spent all that money on Ryan Kent, and you're looking for him to be the the, the star in midfield. You're right, Ryan Kent was a man that stood up. Ryan yeah, Kent, Ryan Jack, sorry, <laughs> doing a range. <laughs> I, Ryan Jack that stood up more. Um, again, his performances, particularly in Europe, um, was where he really did shine. So I would agree with that. I would say he was probably the best performer. I mean, if you don't count McGregor, because McGregor was again. Um, very consistent across the season. Um, he did completely lose the plot at Tynecastle in one game. Um, he still has his little moments where he seems to get away with one or two things. Um, but over the piece, there's no doubt in McGregor is a terrific goalkeeper. And he is the kind of goalkeeper that gives Rangers a win when they probably could have got a draw or a draw when they could have got a defeat. And again, yeah. his performances in Europe that made a difference. And then your player of the year was given to Lewis Ferguson, who I thought didn't have as good a season as what he did his first season at Aberdeen. However, I think his second season would be more difficult. He's not a regular part in terms of where he was with Shinny in the first season. He's asked to play different roles in midfield as well. One thing you can guarantee from him is he, he always, he never shocks a, a challenge or a game, he never hides. Um, I, I thought maybe Alan Campbell would be unlucky not to get player of the year, young player of the year. Uh, at Motherwell, I think he's added goals to his game, which really good when you consider they've basically missed David Turnbull all season. Campbell, I think, stepped up, showed what he can do. Uh, he's been a very solid player. I mean, um, I think Ferguson had a, had a very good season. Whether it was as good as his first season, I'm not sure. Um, but you mentioned um, some of the reasons, but even despite that, I still think he was probably one of our, he was certainly our most consistent midfielder by a mile. Um, oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Um, there was also the boy, Ali McCann at St. Johnson that was making an impact. Because um, yeah. Chris obviously mentioned that St. Johnson's get pummeled in the first day of the season, 7-0, after a horrendous League Cup campaign um, where they went out with only three points and that included um, breaking them in draws in our section. No disrespect to those teams. Um, 
and we were talking about them being one of the favourites for relegation, but they picked themselves up. Their form against the, their fell bottom six size was incredible, um, and so much so that they ended up, rightly or wrongly, <laughs> ended up with a top six spot. Um, but and Alan McCann played a big part in that. Yeah, I think another. I was going to say another thing. Another. Well, I mean, from a Celtic perspective, the only young player I can ever think of that stands out, unless you count Hudson Edward, who's only twenty-two. I think um, the youngster that was sticking out for us was Mikey Johnson, Um, and he started off with a cracking um, goal against Sarajevo in our very first competitive game. Um, But he he was a from Pong, yeah, of course. He, he he came in a bit later. He was the unexpected kind of young star for us because we didn't even include him in the Europa League squad um, until after the break um, because we just didn't think he was going to be ready. And then we, he came in, um, got his first goal in that game I mentioned at Pedodri, um And he's, his enthusiasm... <laughs> His enthusiasm has been infectious. It's kind of caught, it's kind of caught the imagination of the Celtic fans as well. So that he's very quickly become a fan's favourite, not just because of how he's performed in the park, but just because he's a likable wee guy. Yeah, he does. You can tell he just loves playing football. He's loving the dream. Every yeah. time you see him, he's just got a big smile on his face. He'd, he'd be, regardless of whether he was at Celtic or he was playing in the streets with his pals, he'd just be loving it playing football. Yeah, I mean, I, um, another youngster I would I would say probably has had a <sighs> he's he's had great moments this season would be Aaron Hickey. Um, I, I mean, never more so than scoring the winner against the uh, Hibs in the, in the Derby. Um, I, I, it was a good strike that was benefited from a deflection. Um, it's funny because I was I was looking up like you know. The, the highlights of this season and, and that game stuck out actually because one that was I don't think anybody was expecting Hearts to go to Easter Road and win because the two of them were pretty poor at that point in time um, but especially when the opening goal of that was such a terrific strike um, for, uh, for Stevie Mallon um, who doesn't really see any score rubbishy goals um, and for me, that was probably one of the goals of the season, actually, as well as goal in that game, in a game that Hibs went on to lose to Hearts. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Aaron Hickey, he's had sticky moments as well this season, but his highs sticky have been high. Sticky Hickey. Sticky Hickey, that's your podcast <laughs> He's been linked with some decent moves. I think Bayern Munich have been rumoured to be interested, Chelsea, I think Celtic have even uh, yeah, been mentioned as well. I think he's maybe I feel better like off it's a little too early for him to be better soon. Yeah. I think, I think if he could... Or if he's, if he's going to move, going to a team that is going to get regular football, he's not going to get that at uh, Chelsea. Celtic, he would not get it. Bayern, certainly not. Maybe good for his future in terms of the young talent that Bayern's got. But It'll be interesting to see how he does under a decent manager. Because he's not had yeah. that this season. Yeah. I think as well, I don't think he's a left-back by trade. I think he, I don't know what his actual natural position is, but I'm pretty sure he didn't come in as a left-back originally. I think he came in as a walking attacking wide player when he first broke into the hot team. But then he ended up playing left-back against Celtic in the cup final over last season, before that yeah. season. <laughs> the last Scottish cup final. Yeah. 
Maybe we could go to right back. Maybe he could go to right back. Is Scotland are crying out for right back right now? It would be. It would make sense. Can he play centre back? Crying for them as well. Unfortunately, we kind of touched on Ali McCarnett and Johnson. The fact that St Johnson ended up in the top six. If we're going to talk about shock moments, I don't think we've really seen Tommy Wright leaving St Johnson coming. It's funny because at the start of this season, thanks to that awful League Cup campaign they had followed up with an absolute hiding the Celtic. Um, we were talking about whether Tommy Wright was going to stay at St Johnson. Um, but that was probably for the wrong reasons um, because, as Tommy Wright seems to do, he got them back up the, the league. Um, they were in a great reform. Yes, they were technically seventh when the season stopped, but the points per game uh, moved them up to sixth in the end. Uh, so another top six finish for Tommy Wright, and, and he left the. Um, he probably left in the right terms. I mean, that, this is a guy who's had to do miracles at St Johnson year after year, um, and he, he had that terrific run of getting them into Europe every season for a couple of seasons, and then obviously winning the Scottish Cup will be the the, the main highlight from the, the, the Tommy Wright era. But um, it was a case of how many more times was he going to do it. Uh, and he, he did it this season when maybe people like myself were not expecting that to happen um, whether he would be doing that again next season maybe this was the right time to take a, a step aside and I'll be interested to see what his next challenge is because he hasn't really been linked to any of the jobs that have been good not just another Ireland really. job but he's not got that yeah they gave that to Barclough which is a surprise aye because uh, I mean, he's obviously overlooked Steve Robinson at Willow as well, who's another option for it. Well, Robinson yeah. was interviewed, and I think Wright was interviewed, but um, I think because Barclough was already their under-20s manager, but I don't get it, because he was rotten at Motherwell. Yeah, he kept him up against Rangers in that last day of the season, but Rangers were done by then and not a particularly good side. Um, but Tommy Wright should have... Um, that was my surprise that Tommy Wright didn't get the Northern Ireland job. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised he left St Johnston because he did mention in January he was getting fed up with the way, um, with the, you know, the losing Matty Kennedy and some of the budget cuts, etc. But um, I think he quickly got over that. But I think, as Chris says, it's a it's a better time for him to go out on a high now than try and prolong it any further. And then St Johnston ended up in a bad position. Um, no surprise they went for Callum Davidson. Um, someone that knows the club. Apparently John Hughes was, um, he mentioned in another podcast that St. Johnson kept him informed and said what way they were going to go, so he must have been in the running, but they gave it to Davison. It's just understandable given the circumstances. Yeah. Knows the club, and you think you're probably just continue the way they are. I think he's even said that himself. He's not coming in to change things necessarily. He's just going to try and continue what Dominic has been doing. He's got a good coaching background behind him because he's worked with Scotland. He was also number two at Tommy Wright before and he's worked with Stoke. Um, can't remember where he was before he went to St. Johnston, so oh, good luck to him. I'm sure he'll do all right there. Yeah, just, just whether he can take the step up now. Mm-hmm. Should we see soon enough? Yeah, that's true. I think that's about what, any other kind of particular shocking moments you guys can think of just now. Well, Hearts being bottom's got to be up there. Um, you know, with the budget they've had um, compa- compared to others, um, for them to be struggling the way they did, um, and 
I know they still had eight games, but I don't think they were getting out. So they only won one game out of 13 against the bottom six sides. The last game before the um, the shutdown, the fact that the last Premiership game before the lockdown was they lost one notice at Burn. I know they'd beaten Rangers um, a couple of times in the league and the cup, and I know they'd beaten Hibs, but when they needed to against your St Johnstons, your Hamiltons, your St Burns, your Ross Counties, they just weren't prepared for the battle at all. They didn't look up for it. I don't even think they um, looked interested. Whereas some of these teams, especially Hamilton, have that know-how. Um, yep. and yeah, I think the mean bottom's got to be up there with one of the shots this season. Mm-hmm. Aye. Uh, Grant, again from Gamblers Football, he mentioned a growth in the Championship and how well they did. Because obviously, if the season had continued as it was, they had a, a decent chance of getting in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Or go up. Well, Dick Campbell was one of my uh, shots for manager here. Oh, aye, definitely. Yeah, and I think he did deserve it as well. Party Thistle, a shock in terms of, again, bottom of the table. I think folk thought they would they would do better than that. I'm not sure it's a shock. Mainly because they started the season with Egypt and such. <laughs> um, no. Later on, bringing in Ian McCall seemed like it might be a good idea and I think that that didn't seem to make much difference is probably the bit where I would say it's a shock but prior to that with Gary Caldwell in charge I mean there was that crazy thing with the SES which probably sums up his time in charge um it's just it, it seemed like it, it was an odd fit to start with that really never seemed to work at any point in time. Um so yeah, it's it's hard to say whether it's a shock or not, because I'm not really surprised that it didn't work. I think that the the, the thing I mean I suppose the biggest shock of the season is it never finished properly, um, just because of COVID-19. Um, but I think of the teams that are getting relegated this season, as it stands, Thistle are the ones that will get the hardest done by. Yeah. Because as you said, Hearts, four points behind, never looked at picking up points against the bottom six and we're heading for when I mean, You've got eight games left, five of them are against the bottom six, obviously. Uh, I can't remember who the other three were against. They certainly went against Rangers and Hibs, which is who they picked up most of their points from this season. Um, Strand Arbor adrift um, and gone. But Partick Thistle had a game in hand that if they won, they would not have been bottom. But it just wasn't enough for them to pick up the points per game, basically, to be above. So I think of the three, they were probably the one that was hardest done by by that. Um, But like Hearts, they were in that position because they started the season with an absolute Egypt in charge. Um, and it was Gary Caldwell in Thistle's case and Craig Levine in Hearts' case. Um, I don't even know if it's the other end of the- that Hearts, were, Hearts stuck by Craig Levine far too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because again, Anne Budge seems to not quite know exactly what she's doing in certain 
I mean, I, I have no doubt Anne Budge is a good businesswoman because she wouldn't have made the money she's made in the first place if she wasn't. But she's out of depth in certain areas, and I think that might actually be the problem with Hearts is that she's out of her depth in the football area. So she was leaning far too heavily on Craig Levine and therefore didn't feel in a position to get rid of him. Aye. On uh, a positive shock, Cove Rangers a shock in a way in terms of how well they did. Not for and, me because I, I tipped them to go up. Well, I was going to actually mention, have you got the, the predictions that we made? I'll get them up. And, because it's a good time that maybe we bring them in. I think actually most of us did have them in the playoffs. I think, but I don't think we necessarily thought you were going to win the league. I might have picked them up. I don't know if I had them winning the league, but you're right. I certainly had them up there. Because I think we all seen... obviously had experience of seeing them a bit against Talbot. The previous yeah, and season, and then we faced them again this season in the Cup. Again. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the fact we all took them very seriously that the, we, we expected that just because they were. They were making great strides and they put Paul Hartley in charge and that, that kind of thing. We did expect them to be up there somewhere because so, um, I mean, I've got the, the predictions up here and you've got them in the playoff and uh, I've got them in the playoff and as John says, he's got he had the win in the league, so well done. Did I have to win it? I did have to win the league, aye. But yeah, yeah, I mean, no, um, it was just we, we both had them in the playoff. It was it was good. John had them in the one in it, yeah. uh, but even Craig had them in as a playoffs as well. So we all tipped it would be up there, but only one of us tipped them to win it. Yeah. A lot of the other predictions were um, skewed somewhat um, because <laughs> I had Albion overs in the playoff after speaking to Kevin Harper because they'd ended the season pretty well and they ended up ninth. Um, oh, I. Um, put Montrose for the relegation playoff in League One. They were in the playoff um, positions again to go up, and again it highlights a good job that Stuart Peaches doing. It goes pretty much unnoticed, and I had Partick in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that was a shocker. <laughs> and I had Livingston to get relegated, and that's another thing that you say shocker this season. Well. Yeah, I was. I would say that's a, a potential shocker season. Them being in fifth, and Gary Hole as another one that. Could have been in the run for manager of the year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially the players. I lost. I think we all thought they were going to struggle. If anything, they've been better this season. Yeah, that's the thing. We had that team up to park for last season, and that team did really well last season. To lose half of that, to then, as you say, be even better this season. It was. Uh, yeah, I would agree. That's that's probably one of the shocks of the season. It was just a good one. We all have done United as championship winners. No, I had a yeah. promise. Yeah, I think most of us had a combination of uh, Falkirk and Wraith for League One. Um, yeah, I, 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 I suppose. Falkirk, second. Th- th- this is where I just prove what nonsense I've just been talking because I had part of this one the playoffs <laughs> to go up. See, to be fair, Patrick Thistle ended the previous season pretty well to keep themselves up. So I think that's what a lot of us were gauging it on. And I think most of us thought Falkirk would go up. See, to be fair, we're talking about teams that were hard done by. Like Party being hard done by at the bottom end. Falkirk were probably the team that were hard done by the most of the teams going for promotion because they were one point behind Wraith Rovers and they still had Wraith Rovers to play at home when this was curtailed. Um, So, but they've just had to accept it. This is why I was fully backing of 10, 14, 10, 10. 
10, nobody, 14, 10, 10. No, nobody was offering up 10, 14, 10, 10. But I tell you what, see if Dundee United bring in Malky McKay, I'm going to push out again. <laughs> I want Dundee United back down in the championship. Well, the Wally with the Brawley turned them down. So McKay's back that, in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's unfortunate. That would have been hilarious. I wanted to hear a Scottish accent. <laughs> Can't remember, did the Challenge Cup final get played? No. No. It never did it. Because that was you that's at the weekend of our charity game as well. I had Inverness as well. We were getting. Yeah. So. And uh, that, I suppose the uh, one of the most disgraceful points of the season was the the red card in the semi-final. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it got rejected on appeal and then somehow it gets turned around again because... Yeah. <laughs> what was the reason behind that again? Right, so Keaton's was given a second yellow card for a dive. Now, everybody that reviewed that footage said, there's no chance that's a dive. He's clearly been clattered by the Rangers defender. Mm-hmm. How is that? Surely that can be appealed. Um, so they did appeal that, and the appeal was rejected. It was then, then there was uproar because everybody said, just what I've just said there, everybody that's seen that footage can clearly see it's not a dive, he's been clattered. Um, to then it suddenly came out that the three people who had apparently reviewed the footage hadn't all reviewed the footage. So they just <laughs> guessed. Now, how has that not been dropped out more than it has been? Because it's kind of been swept away again. I know we've obviously had other issues to deal with because this all happened in is it February. Mm-hmm. February, yeah. There's still about a month between this thing happening and COVID-19 killing the season. Um, so why hasn't more been made of this? Every single decision that's been up for the panel should have been reviewed to see if actually people had looked at any footage. <laughs> that one was just phoned in. They, they don't even look at the things. We've, we've established that before. They don't even look at the video reviews. It's just they, they flip a coin and then they go to the pub. Kind of like press up. That, you would that's hope, what happens. You, you would hope that's they're going to review that for the coming season and have a much better process in place. <laughs> I'm not banking on it. Maybe harder to do, about. piss up in the pub with social distancing, but aye. That's it, aye. There'll be a piss up in Zoom. Uh, aye. Um, right, so, best goal in terms of category. Now, the goal I've picked, which I'll come out, I'll come out later, is not from the main leagues, is what I will say. If I was to pick one for all to pick Jason Naismith's goal for Hibs against Ross County which was a Brazil 1970 Carlos Alberto style goal I don't know if you remember it but he could build up and then Naismith pops up late in the night and slots it home what goals have you gone for? I mentioned the Malin goal for the Edinburgh Derby um, earlier on um, I think that was one of the standouts of the season um, and I also mentioned the McGregor goal at Fort Park um, I, I'm, I'm struggling to remember an absolutely brilliant goal this season I must admit um, it's all been more the goals that I remember are more sort of the occasion rather than the ability to score it so for me, one of the highlights of the season is Julian's goal in the League Cup final. Not because of the goal itself, but because of the knee slide. 
There's never been a better knee slide than that because he expertly like knee slides are really hard to execute in the first place because so many people just fall on the face. He manages to execute not only the perfect knee slide, but he turns 180 degrees to face the other direction in the knee slide in one move. It's a thing of beauty. I have recollected us talking about this before, and you have not seen the knee slides I was doing in first year in the assembly hall. With that. So, <laughs> well, unfortunately, that is not on film. I think, I don't know whether there was some kind of film out that folk were doing knee slides or whatever was going on, but it was a popular thing where folk were doing knee slides. It's just a thing, it's good. Yeah. Peter Cade is a um, good knee slide in his, uh, when he stand up yeah. shows. So. Well, we tried to do it. I think we'll, we'll try and do it more in that season, the whole pick it out thing. That was the thing, one of the things we did this year. And if you actually look on Twitter, most of the, the latest pick outs are from the podcast and stuff we did. So we will make that a regular feature in that season because it was good. And we encourage all fans to get involved. Send on your, your goals from whether the YouTube or club channels, whatever. Um, I, I did find a few times while I was watching the full highlights of the game just to see the third goal that was the best goal and you never knew exactly when it was so aye John it's what was your clip of goal unfortunately you take the highlights in the entire game yeah um, the, the one I picked out there's a few reasons behind this um, it was it was from a cup final um, but not the the one that you're talking about Chris it's the women's Scottish cup final at Tencastle it was the last minute um, by Claire Shine um, for Glasgow City Um and j- just the fact that, you know, it was a very good individual goal. She cuts in beautiful on her left foot, curls into the top corner. Last minute of the game, it's just the perfect way to win a cup final. So for that, um, I thought that that was my pick. And um, I'll repeat what I said in last week's podcast. I um, hope she's getting better after recent difficulties. Absolutely, yeah. Another one that I'd seen in terms of women's football was Ella Cuthbert's goal against Northern Ireland. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen that actually. Mm-hmm. Which is a belter. But the one I've gone for, um, and you probably maybe remember it, was we had Mick Kennedy on from Darville early in the season. One of his players, Darren Miller, the goal from his own half against Arthurley, which was terrific. Totally men, nonchalant, just really good goal. You don't see many of them. The other one that's a contender was it the breaking keeper? Yes. It scored. Just because you don't see it happen often. So you've got to love that. One from a goalie. I think. I'm trying to see whether the Grand Centres are the goal of the season. Oh, he did. Um, Hedges against Hearts for Aberdeen. That was a good one. Um, I know Aberdeen. I think we picked Lewis Ferguson to go in the Scottish Cup against him. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's easily mine from an Aberdeen point of view. The other one I would definitely do the pick out every week next week next season. Yeah, that's good. I enjoyed doing that. Mm-hmm. The, the other one I mentioned was um, when Cham scored a crack goal against Thistle. Um, I think it was the League Cup. Whatever one we played at Celtic Park, we played in we played in both cups, and I think it was on. I think it was the League Cup we played at Celtic Park, and and Jam scores an absolute cracking goal in that game. So. Um, that's probably the other one I can think of. You know, it's the real Celtic goals. I am terrible at remembering good goals this season. You could have you could be looking at the you know, pick out seeing if I found some. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's nice that we've got our own hashtag. I can't believe that's not yes. being used more. 
I know there's a lot of people not using it. It's in the past, but I thought pick out was quite a common thing. Aye, so did I. But, uh, it's apparently not as a hashtag. Makes it easier. Makes it us easy for us to find because I was racking through them earlier, going night, but goals weather. So there were some crackers. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't go through them all. Um, I, I just remember the there was a couple of them. You reminded me about the Darvel one, um, but the Glashine one just stands out. Oh, um, I did. Um, from a Scotland perspective, the best goal I think was Ryan Christie's in Cyprus. Although yeah, the Cyprus player scored a better yeah. goal than he did. But we're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part of the talk was about Scotland, but I don't know whether there's much for us to talk about because Chris and me were quite apathetic towards Scotland this season. To be fair, though, I did at least was trying to get back into by going to the playoff fixture, but it's then October, it's happening, the 8th of October. 8th of um, October, yeah. So hopefully I can get some enthusiasm back. I think maybe it'll be the case of absence make the heart go fonder in terms of football in general because much like I hope got to plenty of Talbot games last season and probably missed about eight. Um, Scotland games not been for a while but I never got to the Harvardine games so yeah hopefully when football returns and we came back to football safely try and get to more games. You know I think the problem with Scotland this this sort of nineteen twenty season is there's been nothing for us really because the Euro twenty twenty qualifying campaign was already screwed by the time Steve Clark took charge because of the Kazakhstan game. He then had to play the games against Belgium and Russia back-to-back, which were depressing. Um, the remaining games of that were just kind of seeing things out. So we, obviously we won them, which was important. Um, and like getting revenge against Kazakhstan was good, but didn't really mean too much by that point. So I think we were all looking forward to the Israel game to be okay. This is the one that actually matters. If we can win this, then we go to probably Norway, but could have been Serbia. And then obviously that's been taken away from us. So it just it feels like it feels like Scotland's been on hold waiting for that playoff for a year now, and we're having to wait another few months till October to get there. Um, the fact we're still in it is a positive, um, and if we can be at Euro 2020 and 2021. Because I'm not changing the name of it, then we'll all be delighted. But it's still going to be a hard uh, graft. We're going to have to play a ridiculous schedule of football between now and next May, um, because there's no room for domestic fixtures being rearranged. Um, from what the SPFL are saying, the the Scottish Cup 1920 still needs to be completed. The two semi-finals, the final, the UEFA and their infinite wisdom have decided to carry on with the Nations League anyway, regardless, which means we are going to be playing three games in an international break for the first time. Um, certainly against Israel and hopefully beyond that one as well. So our our hopes of getting to a major tournament now resting has not been too gubbed by the Nations League because of always a much yeah. more important yeah. game to play in, in between. See before we I go that. back on the, you go join. Oh, no, I was just see before um you know come back to talking about you know the Scotland situation um because the, the women's um the women's Champions League has obviously been rearranged um for August but there's been not a single word about when the women's football season's been resuming. There's nothing coming out in the media apart from when Leanne Crane was on BBC Scotland once one episode one one podcast. 
they obviously do their own, they try and promote it as well. But there's been nothing mentioned in the media about what discussion we made about when the women's season started up. And they're going to be going into a game against uh, Wolfsburg with no competitive matches behind them as things stand. Rangers are in a, a, in a summer position because Leverkusen restarted back in May. So Leverkusen are going to be on it. It's already a difficult task for Rangers um, when they go into that game. But I, I think it's shocking that... Um, we haven't, because the women's football season only just started. There'd only been one game, and then the Scotland team went in that wee tournament that you mentioned in Cuthbert's goal. But yeah. there's been nothing, absolutely nothing on it since, and I think it's shocking. And you know what is happening with that? I think it was. I thought I'd talk about something that they're asking to get maybe a normal, a regular season to be played, as opposed to they obviously play summer football. Mm-hmm. So whether they'll then end up playing a more traditional season that we play in Scotland. I don't know whether that might be the case. Yeah, but there's been nothing. I think I've read something been... at some point. Um, again, as obviously we've had um, Leanne Crichton on and Dave Glass. the women's game needs more coverage again. Um, needs to capitalise on the good things that are happening in women's football. So yeah. we've been trying to do more ourselves for that. Um, and mm-hmm. we've got plans in place in that season as well to get more guests on involved in women's football as well. So what's this space in terms of that? Definitely. Yeah, I think and it's good, obviously, Leanne and Rachel get their podcast as well, which is really good. Yeah, it's a good listen. It's, it's kind of frustrating in a way because this has almost been an opportunity for Glasgow City because we, we mentioned this with Leanne a few weeks ago. They're the underdog that's left in the tournament now. So actually this reducing it to a one-off neutral venue game kind of plays into their hands. And we're taken away from that because they've got no competitive football whatsoever. So they're, they're going to be going into that small opportunity to just kind of hit them in a one-off game without anything backing them. So it kind of... I feel like we should be doing more to help them out at this point. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like I say, there's just been nothing uh, to even talk about when it might be back. But I think I, I think the problem is that they suffer from the same problem that the kind of clubs that we go in the league two are suffering from. It's like, is there value in coming back yet, or is it just going to cost them more money to come back? I See, think the argument, no. Some of the teams can pull right. that off because, like the likes of Celtic and Rangers, and those women's team that have got a men's team to kind of back it up, make it away with it. Glasgow City don't have any equivalent of that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the flip side argument though is in terms of the the, the the teams that get more crowds, as surely it's easier for social distancing to take place. If you've got less of a crowd going. So like said the what was the juniors and still is the juniors or the West of Scotland League or maybe the women's league, surely social distancing is easier. Well see this is season tickets. Yeah. If you want them in the door. Yeah. So this is the thing for me, because obviously Celtic Rangers and I also uh, message you guys about the Aberdeen uh, Aberdeen thing about looking at reduced crowds in August, um, given the fact that numbers are coming down. My view on this is that if they're gonna start having crowds come back into football, why don't they start at the bottom end and work their yeah. way up? Like, see teams that need money more. Like, you're, for example, your Albion Rovers, you're still in Albion's, the, women, the, the women's game, you know, and because they should be able to, ma- to manage that and see how it goes. See, rather than starting at 30,000 at Parkhead, start at like 300 at Clifton Hill. I mean, sometimes they don't get yeah. that. I mean, that should be 
maintained. I mean, Clyde's another perfect example. Clyde have a 6,000 stadium, all-seater stadium, that their average attendance was something like 600, 800 last season. I agree with you, John. I don't understand why it's the big clubs that are letting fans in, first of all, it seems. Um, but, uh, and even as well, um, we were talking off air earlier about the situation. Obviously, today, Aberdeen, there's been a player tested positive for COVID, and we're talking about if once the season gets up and running, what happens if a player gets COVID, they miss vital games and all that type of thing. And I, I kind of watched the Aussie Rules football a fair bit, and they had a situation last week where a player got tested positive and they ended up postponing their game. But as Chris pointed out, that's going to be pretty difficult with the amount of games that's, that's lined up that season. Right. Yeah, because I mean, they're, they're, they're talking about having one free midweek between now and May. Uh, more will open up once teams start getting knocked out of Europe. That's a ridiculous thing to be relying on. And there, there's, there's, no, there's no contingency for weather. There's no contingency for another outbreak of whatever, um, which might cause postponements. Uh, we were talking on a WhatsApp group earlier on about, because um, obviously there's an Aberdeen player who's tested positive. Um, so what do you do if you start wiping out key players and, and you run out of players? How do you, can you postpone matches if you're wiped out by self-isolating? There's no room for it in the fixture list. The, the, the thing that's annoying me about the SPFL is they, they just don't seem to be saying, right, we need to accept that this is not going to be a normal season. So we need to at least give ourselves a bit of breathing room. So instead of that, they're going, well, we're still going to play the League Cup in the way that we've been playing the League Cup. We're still going to have the Scottish Cup. We're still going to need to fit in the Scottish Cup for last season. We're going to have the full fixture list for the Premiership, all 38 games, when actually they could do things that were reduced that slightly. Because one, of the, I mean, one suggestion I had was, OK, we have decided to go with 12 teams. Instead of doing three rounds of games and then a split with five, how about we do two rounds of games, split it, do another two rounds with two fives, so you get, you, okay, you play 32 games in the league season. Yeah. Um, because that gives you two options. It gives you the option to say, we'll play the first 22. If everything's going well, we've not had to postpone things and we can fit in a split, we do the split and we play another 10. And then we give ourselves room for fixtures getting moved about and postponements and weather and, and even another outbreak killing off the season again. But they don't seem to be even thinking like that. They're just, no, we're going to have everything as possible as it has been. 38-game top flight again um, and hope for the best. I mean, one of the things that Steve Clark was asking for was a bit of breathing room around the, the important playoff game, mm-hmm. which I'm never a big fan of because, as I mentioned, when we did the 2007-08 review, Every time we did that for either Scotland um, in the the World Cup qualifying or the or for um, was the World Cup qualifying European yeah, Championship, yeah. uh, or we did it for Rangers in the Champions League. We went on to lose the game, so I'm never convinced that what it does anything good for you. But it's just been dismissed as, as a no, you're not getting it because we can't fit it in. Yeah. But, well, have a bit of common sense. But when has common sense in Scottish football ever gone together? Yeah, uh, well, I think um, we've talked about Neil Doncaster a lot now. I get that the role of a chief executive, um, they're not the decision maker, but they're there to give the recommendations. Um, and where a lot of this problem with reconstruction um, doesn't sit well with me is that Neil Doncaster, instead of grabbing the bill by the horns, um, by coming up with a pro- by coming up with a proposal himself as to what the best solution would be, um, 
when he discussed ending the season there and then, he should have at the same time said, and this is what we should have in place. Put your 14-10-10, for example, give us your vote. Um, no, what he did was, let's get the season ended. Over to you, Ann Budge. Get, 15, get 14 friends to come along and um, try and sort something. That didn't last long. <sighs> that's not leadership. That's cowardly. Um, and I know yeah. a lot of people, I mean, I know Rangers wanted them out for different reasons, but for me, I think his position has been untenable for a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think most of I am completely. Been saying that yeah. for, se- for seasons, for years, just the we maybe never agreed with certain elements of how we were getting targeted this time. But ten years he's, in power, he's been in power. The review, like there was a talk of the review, but I think we did tend to agree that maybe a review should take place because. The, the way the games are in Scotland from top to bottom is is pretty poor. Yeah. Um, there are good elements. There's plenty of good elements. We don't do enough to promote these good elements, market the good elements of it. Um, and that's been a bugbear for, for far too long. The, the reliance on, oh, it's all about Celtic and Rangers. Well, it's not. That needs to change. I probably, like what he does for years and years, it will be Celtic certainly winning the trophies. Eventually, I think Rangers will probably end up winning trophies again and the rest of us will pick up drums, but promote the game, promote all of Scottish football. You don't want the situation on Sky where it's just like, oh, by the way, we show Scottish football. There's only two teams, because that's what it's like. Yeah. And and for all this to be happening um, at a time where we don't have a sponsor, because Labrock's um, agreement's ended, we're supposed to be promoting the game to sell a sponsor, and if... To me, this this period right now, on the pitch, things were looking good before um, COVID-19. Um, there was a lot of positivity in Scottish football, but then the people that run it, I think this has been the most embarrassing period um, in Scottish football history. And when you consider that they've had um, the 1980 Cup final riot, you've had Boosgate, um, for the, and, and this is actually over, over to that by a mile for me. Yeah, it's been one fast after I think the, the the weird part has been that for periods of this, I've actually been agreeing with Neil Doncaster, and it's those periods that Rangers have been calling for his head. <laughs> it's just bizarre, um, because mostly, I, like I said, I, I think Neil Doncaster is completely incompetent. Um, and any time, any time Neil Doncaster has managed to do something good, like rescuing the Sky deal or getting the deal with Ladbrokes, he seems to be pictured with Peter Lawwell, which makes me think. Peter Lawler does more than he does. Because <laughs> when Neil Doncaster left his own devices, he's, he's useless. And it makes sense to have Peter Lawler on because he's obviously, like, when you're talking about selling Scottish football, yes, we do sell Celtic and Rangers. Um, so, take your biggest selling point with you. I know we don't like to admit that. I mean, the, Scottish football is at its best when the other teams are competitive. Um, and it's, it's 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 never a, a source of ongoing amusement to me that for years we heard how Scottish football wasn't right because Rangers weren't in the top flight, and yet it was only when Rangers reached the top flight that Celtic started winning every trophy for the last three and a half, four years now. Uh, because before that, there was teams that were picking up trophies that never picked up a trophy before, like St Johnson and the Wright, I mentioned earlier. Uh, like the Ross County and the Campbell Aberdeen picked up the League Cup as well, remember? So, man, yes, picked up the League Cup. Picked up a trophy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so how, how many teams picked up a trophy while Rangers were not in a top flight? 
And yet, and yet, that's what we hear about. That's the that's what they claim was the the years that shouldn't count. And listen up, that in the bud as well. That this this season did not complete in the way we wanted to complete. It still completed, and Celtic still won the league. The 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 championship was awarded, um, and it is nine in a row for Celtic. Yeah. That, t- championships have been decided in weird and wonderful ways all through Scottish history, all the way back to the first one when it was shared because <laughs> they couldn't separate them even after a playoff. But that's a, there's been playoffs, there's been goal average, which some people don't understand. I know a source of amusement for me over the last few months has been watching people saying, uh, but in this season in the 50s, the, this team won the league, even though the team that finished second had better goal difference. So, like, yeah, because in those days they didn't do goal difference, they did goal average. If you can explain what goal average is, good luck to you. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think I think Hearts lobby. I think it was Hearts because um, they missed out in the title to Kilmarnock and goal average as it turned out, um, and they campaigned for it to be goal difference. Got the change, and then 1986 it came back to bite them because had yeah. it been goal average, they'd have won the league. Yeah, they won the um, league. Yeah. I mean, to me, one, one of the fairer ways to separate it has always been the head to head, which we've never done in Scotland. Uh, it's something to do in like the likes of La Liga in Spain and, and things like that, but. Um, when the two teams are finishing level on points, I think head to head's a better way to sort it. Which would have, which if I remember rightly when I checked this, would have meant Celtic would have won in two thousand and three when Rangers won it in goal difference because Celtic had won two games against Rangers, the Rangers won. But their formation nineteen eighty six would have went to Hearts because Hearts had a better head to head against Celtic. Yeah, it's interesting. There's interesting ways to decide it, and that. I don't think this one is that controversial because yes, we can make an we can make a case that Thistle have been screwed, and yes, we can make a case that uh, Falkirk have been screwed, and yes, there's probably a certain amount of logic in saying that Hearts have been screwed, but maybe not as much as the other two I just mentioned. As we said earlier, Celtic were 13 points clear. Even Rangers fans had given up on that title. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Rangers were the only team that could mathematically catch Celtic, but it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, the two the two teams that suffered the most were Brett Broer and Kelty, um, because they were denied the right to play. Yeah, because they were never given a chance to get in the league. Yeah, and yeah. there was the proposal by the Morton chief executive to say, um, let let's have that playoff at a neutral venue, the Brora versus Kelty, and then a couple of days later, again at a neutral venue, Brecon versus that winner. But that was not back because all of the playoffs were deemed to be um, cancelled, which they could have got around that. But Doncaster didn't want to, and his board didn't want to, let's be brutally honest about this, because when when the reconstruction chat happened, when Leanne Dempster walked away after day one, the League Two clubs unanimously said, we're, we are voting um, what was it? 14-14-14 So it basically effectively got promoted the league and were not letting anyone else in. Because this yeah. all comes down to there's a new Sky TV yeah, contract. Your, your twelve, your twelve team, um, your twelve teams want to share the cash with our two teams, and your teams in League Two don't want to share that cash with anyone else. It's as simple yeah. as that. And and that's another crucial part of this because we all sat here and we were all we were all desperate to get the season finished properly. At yeah. some point, but that was never going to be realistic because UEFA has a say in these things, Sky has a say in these things much more than the fans have. Mm-hmm. Um, so there had to be decisions taken 
and I think the decisions were taken rightly. Um, I mean, the, the, obviously people have been pointing to things like, oh, but look, the other leagues have been able to resume now, so we could have finished our game. The players are only back at training properly this week. We need to start the new season in August. We need three to four weeks to get them training. That's August. Yeah. Yeah. The, bo- the just, bottom line is no space to finish up. Yeah. The bottom line is that um, Italy, England, and Germany, their leagues have resumed, but they've got a ma- massive amount of cash behind them that don't rely on fan income. Scotland's different. But if you look at England, League One and Two, that was curtailed yeah. completely, apart from the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah. it shows that even the likes of Cheltenham are no different to um, your teams in Scotland. Yeah. It's, it's not as if we were the only country that had to curtail it as well. I mean, I think Northern Ireland was one of the last that had to, had to finally declare that Linfield were given champions, uh, which ironically makes them the most successful uh, club uh, domestic league winner with um, 54 titles. <laughs> Let's finish this and hide if we can. <laughs> I think the one thing we can agree with in terms of the podcast this season will be glad not to be talking about this next season, hopefully. Yeah, let's hope so. Ideally, yeah. I, so, I just have a nasty feeling that we're going to be talking about the lingering problems, like fixture congestion. Yeah. So, we've had quick fire stuff, slow fire stuff. I don't know if there's slow fire stuff that we can do with ourselves here, but in terms of showstopper for the podcast this season, my thinking is good, John, pick your 1 to 11 Premiership team from this season gone by seeing as it's usually you that's giving the question to the guests <laughs> is, is there a is there a stipulation on how many players I can pick um, from a certain you can, club you can you can pick as many players as you want from clubs if you want ok right so off the top of my head um, Fraser Foster's got to be the goalkeeper I know you've got McGregor's the competition but um, Foster for me is the better goalkeeper McGregor did they win a trophy <laughs> yeah and yeah so no, Fraser Forster's the goalkeeper um, I think um, Chris J. Lane's got to be at centre back um, I'm going to slot Declan Gallagher in, in along there because I think he's had a very solid season in Motherwell um, yep. left back I'm going to go Borna Barisic um, probably the most improved player of the season for me because when he first came at Rangers um, he looked like um, a fish out of water but this season he's um, taking it like duck to water um, that was unintended by the way but it's slotted in nicely um, <laughs> you know, if I on right. the podcast anyway we're heading hi. hi yeah I won't cry that again um, right back I mean you mentioned I, I must confess I forgot about Frimpong a bit um I'll come back. I'll come back to right back. My front two would be Edward Morelos. You can't t- um, dispute that. Um, for me, over the season, they're the best two strikers in Scotland by a country mile. I know Landon Knight's had a good. Interesting. Uh, be interesting to see what they would be like as a pair up front. Uh, see, I mean, he's not been mentioned, but um, we. I, I think credit has to go to Griffiths for the way he came back. Yeah. Uh, he, he he's obviously he struggled with mental health issues and injury and. He came back after that winter break and was a man on fire. It was great. 
And we were all excited at the fact because he was going to be the man who was going to lead us in against Israel. He was going to get the goals. And, and obviously, it never happened. But he was the thing I was enthusiastic about going into that Israel game. Yeah. My two centre midfielders um, would be uh, Ryan Jack and, uh, and Cal McGregor. And I'd put Christie in one of the, the wider positions. I know for Celtic's played in the number 10. But that's the way of getting your three in because Jack would sit and McGregor and Christie would create. Um, so I'm looking for what another wide midfielder right back. Um, hmm, this is difficult. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> see how you know how the guests feel. Oh, I know. Yeah, James Forrest. James Forrest. It's interesting because here later on we were talking about like players and contenders for player of the year. James Forrest scored what, 11 goals, 14 assists. Yeah. And no oh, his numbers are brilliant and we're doing the next I know. I think you just take him for granted almost. Uh, and he has done it big Because he's been doing it so consistently in the last few seasons, is it we talked about um Lee Griffiths hitting the century of goals for Celtic um last season. Um he's getting closer and closer to that same value. He's he's yeah. about eighty or something like that at the moment. He's not too far away from being an arm man that's going to hit 100. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and his number of assists as well is just fantastic. So, um, well, for Forrest then, so for, so Forrest <laughs> and Chris are two wider players um, who can cut in. I'm right back. Um, see, I nearly said Logan because he's actually he actually got better when um, we brought in the boy from Ecuador. Um, but I wouldn't. I don't know if he's been consistent enough over the season. Um, Tavernier, I don't think he's been consistent. Um, I'm tempted to say Thank Jason Nesmith because when he came in at Hibs, albeit it was only in January he came in, but he's been pretty rock solid since he went in. So, um, yeah, in fact, that's who I'm going to go with. I'm, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Cool. I enjoyed that. Manager of the season. Um, Dick Campbell. Oh no, he's not. That's pretty much it. So, so I just tried to. Give me a promotion. Give me a promotion. Hi. If you thought about Premiership manager season, you're probably going to have to see Neil Lennon because he's the manager of the winning team. But Gary Hall wouldn't be too far behind him when you're looking at level expectations. Stephen Robinson's another one that you could probably have a shout out to, but no, I think it's difficult to see past Lennon in the Premiership. Wikipedia has James Forrest in 88 goals for Celtic. So yeah, he could theoretically hit 100 goals for Celtic next season. Probably will. 12 is not unreasonable. It's it's funny that I mentioned Cal McGregor in there. This is the longest break he's had in football in about four years. Did he not have played like 70 games like the season before? Oh, it was some crazy the most season. number of minutes in the world. Yeah. Because he was also Nate a regular. Nate mentioned as well from a Scotland point of view. Obviously, Liverpool finally clinched the league, so Andy Robertson, league winner. Yeah. League winner at Liverpool from last season. Terrific. And Kieran Tierney is starting to get games for Arsenal. Since the I think it's crazy. Finally, this is twenty-five million pound move. 
there was talk as well they were going to get rid of him and then Kurzawaf from PSG but he's staying at PSG so I think Arsenal fans seem to like him did you see him the other day everyone's coming off the, the bus for the, the fancy bags and all that and he's got a Tesco bag for life <laughs> uh, so some of the Arsenal fans were loving that as well uh, good luck to him hope he does well down there yeah yeah. And of course, um, that's as you mentioned, Liverpool clinching the league for the first time since 1990. Uh, we do still have the Scottish Cup to play out, so still a chance. Uh, yes. So. Uh, but uh, that season, obviously, we're a turn. We'll have guests galore again. We'll have a West of Scotland football league to talk about as well. So that should be interesting to see whenever that kicks off because. Uh, who knows? In the top leagues, twenty teams. So I think they'll just be playing one game all twenty teams at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> one copy doubles. <laughs> that was great. We were reminiscing yeah. about that with Greg Patterson talking about World Cup doubles and stuff. It was, and all the different names that you called game depending on where you stayed in that. Yeah. Did you play? Was it? Did you play seven and by where you were at or Lubbies? Oh, it doesn't volleys. Playing it doesn't volleys, eh? No matter how. Aka Crossy. Crossy. A few names, but I been a good season anyway in terms of podcasts. Yeah, definitely. Aye, it must be most of all. Sixty odds were in there. Sixty-one. Sixty-one. Aye. Sixty-one podcasts in a season. I mean, considering it was it was a weekly podcast, mm-hmm. we've obviously gone past the number of weeks of a year. So yeah. we've set ourselves a new standard now. So that next season we don't go back to um, what we were doing for the past few years. You know, just to see if we're talking about the weekend's actions. We've now set ourselves a new standard. We can get guests on to help us do that and probably do it better than us. Uh, we've got a variation, which is good, and we've yeah. got a few guests that have said to come back on. As well, Aye. which is, is always is always good. Um, I'd just like to thank all our listeners as well for not just this season, but every season that we've had so far. Uh, if you like the podcast, please tell us you like it. Would be would be nice. Uh, we know you like it because we can see folk listening to it and all that. But retweet it among your friends or share it, whatever you do in terms of Facebook and we've got Instagram. We've got we've got all sorts. We're like fancy now. And the podcast can be listened to in more ways than ever before now. Uh, but the best way of probably getting them is on our, on our actual website. Because I think you'll even get... But you got all the podcasts going back to season one if you really ever wanted to be that. Uh, sad. Aye, I think you could. Um, but I mean, some of the guests we've had on this season, there have been some really good ones to go back and listen to. That's probably the, the greatest testament is that we, we've managed to put out so many podcasts on a podcast that's been running for and this is ninth year, so we're heading into our tenth year next year. Um, so yeah, just to, to be running so so well now, but, um, I think it's I mean, it's testament to you two guys more than anybody else because you guys more than I do. Um, I turned up a podcast more than I do as well recently, so I I will say thank you for the service. Is the, yeah. I, I, no, uh, I think as, as the longest serving person around. Still on the podcast these days. I, I think uh, the two of you have brought so much more to the podcast and um, a lot of what it is today is thanks to the two of you. So, 
on behalf of everybody that enjoys it. Thank you. Oh, thanks. I just, I just hope coming up with fresh ideas. Yeah. I was hoping Definitely. for tears. Come on. Cry. Tears. Listen, there's going to be a few tears in a few weeks um, when they arrive on another one. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll just save yeah, all that. Aye. So uh, if, if, if good John isn't around for a wee bit, it's because he's had uh, his head turned uh, by uh, duties at home, shall we say? <laughs> yeah. But hopefully it won't be too long, my absence, if there is one. So. Yeah, uh, we're enjoying the piece uh, with me. You're getting two weeks for us. You're just getting like a wee back. secret. You need to build a secret, a secret room that the missus can't find you, uh, so you can do the podcast. <laughs> I'm in it. I just need. To, I, I'm in it. I just need to put a padlock on it. <laughs> a padlock. Underground bunker. <laughs> but, uh, so we're going back to being crap at ending podcasts. At least we guess it was easy. Oh, it's because we were like talking about Scotland, which never ever helps. And then we ended up talking about reconstruction, which we've talked about for oh, far too long, probably, <sighs> and regurgitated. So then we try and we need to try and then spin it in some kind of positive, and then actually it goes off in some tangent. But yeah, the main thing is thank you to all our listeners and guests mm-hmm. and each other. Yes. Absolutely. Keeping us all sane. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much, everyone. And, and stay safe. And also, remember, mental health wise, it's good to talk. The support there, back on side. Ourselves, DM us, drop us a message. We're always happy to help as well. Um, as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Thanks and good night. Thanks, everybody.